for those of you who knew Mama, you knew one thing for sure, she loved to tell stories. And I think a lot of people like to hear her stories too. I mean, because any chance she would get, she would gladly tell about the experiences of her life. And I think as she got older, I didn't tell her this, but I think that some of the details of the stories got exaggerated a little bit more <laughs> as she got older, but that's okay. I mean, the gist of her life was still wrapped up in those stories. And she would share about her family. She loved her family very much and just couldn't get enough time with her kids and her grandkids and her, her great-grandkids. Uh, she also loved the churches that she belonged to. Um, I thought it was interesting that I had the privilege of uh, leading the funeral service in the very first Presbyterian church that she attended in South Carolina, a second Presbyterian church where she was a member for many, many, many years. And then now I get the privilege of doing the same in the last Presbyterian church where she was a member at Kirk of the Plains. And uh, she loved each one of the churches that she was in, uh, in between, and the people that were there. And she would, she would tell stories, uh, and just delight and thankfulness for the people that the Lord let her meet over her almost 94 years here on this earth. And it was truly uh, a delight, that's for certain. I know when we started Kirk of the Plains, she told everybody about Kirk of the Plains. You need to pray for this new church plant that my son-in-law is doing. We need to pray that the Lord will make this a viable church. And so I sort of am going to hate not having that prayer support. But, you know, it's, it was really great for her to do that. And, uh, and just all the many ways she did support uh, her church. Uh, also, uh, if, if you've read her obituary, you know that she led... Uh, took youth group up to White Top, Virginia, to a poor community, and they had vacation Bible school there, and and ministered to that community and shared Christ. And many of her, quote unquote, White Top kids, these young people who were in youth group, who are now grandparents or great grandparents, you know, still talk about the wonderful experiences of being with Miss Lil and going up into the mountains. And she told many stories about that too, as well as Ridge Haven which is our denominations uh, conference center. She and uh, Robbie's dad, uh, Dick, uh, they actually started the food service there and uh, were there from the very beginning and served many, many, many years and served many, many meals as well. And so she loved telling stories about that. And if you listen to her stories, usually her stories had something to do with food. Um, and uh, I remember one time when she was getting close to the end of her life, she was at that point where she really wasn't opening her eyes. And she really wasn't saying much, but every once in a while she would mutter something. And so when she did, we would all lean in closely to try to, to hear what it was that she was saying, assuming that it was something very, very important. And I remember one time in particular, she was, boy, she was very adamant about something. So we all leaned in to hear what she had to say. And she said, you've got to get the table set. The, the meal is ready. we got to get the table ready so we can eat. So even to the very end, um, food was very much on her mind. But you know, as, as, all, as dear as all those things were to her, the most important thing to her was her faith in Jesus Christ. And as a matter of fact, she had talked to me for years, even before she moved out to Kansas and became a part of our church, she said, Rick, I want you to preach my funeral sermon. And she said, when you do, she goes, don't you dare talk about me. 
I want you to talk about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, she would be very upset with me right now if she heard me talking about her as much as I already have. But it's okay. It's not the first time I was in trouble with her, so that's okay. Um, but she lived out her faith before other people, not only in her service that she did, whether that was doing the church newsletter at Second Press in Greenville, or whether it was uh, delivering meals on wheels uh, to, to mountain folk up in the holler and stuff, um, whether it was loving her family, you know, she served in so many different ways, but she also showed that a life of faith doesn't mean that one is perfect. Um, like all of us, she struggled at times in what she said, or maybe in the way she said it, or what she did, or what she, she didn't do, but she was so thankful that her relationship with God was not founded on how perfect her life was, but on what Christ had done for her and continued to do for her all the days of her life. And in her final days, when she could no longer read her Bible because that we couldn't get a Bible with print large enough for her to see, um, she listened to RefNet, which was the radio program, or is the radio program of Ligonier Ministries. And they just have 24-hour preaching and reading of scripture and singing the, the hymns of the faith on there and she would just listen to R.C. Sproul and uh, Sinclair Ferguson and Alistair Begg and many other preachers and she just loved to hear the word of God read and there were days when she was struggling you know Lord why have you left me here on earth why don't you take me home um, and you know even in the uh, assisted care facility she would be somewhat agitated and we would tell the nurses you need to put on a rep net you know, it just as she's reminded of God's word and his promises, it just brings a peace to her soul. And the nurses came back to us and they said, it works. <laughs> I can't believe it. But, uh, you know, she just loved her Savior, Jesus, so much more. Uh, you see, the story of Mama's life was really wrapped up in a bigger story. And that is of God's story of redemption. And it is that story that gives us hope and comfort today in our loss. Um, you might ask how, well, for, you know, for those of you that grew up in the church, you know what redemption is. Redemption is when you buy back something that's already yours. And that's what God did. He bought back a people for himself. And I think when most people who grew up in church hear that word redemption, they think of Christ dying on the cross, which is true. But to start there is to like start in the middle of the story. And to really understand it, you really have to go back to the beginning. The beginning when God uh, decided to create the world, the universe, um, you know, all the, the plants and the animals, uh, people. And God made all these things, made Adam and Eve the very first people. And God said, it is good. Um, and he placed Adam and Eve in the garden where all their needs were met, including and especially, and I think we oftentimes miss this, the privilege of knowing God, of walking with their creator, of delighting to be in his presence. Yes, they had work to do. Yes, they had a relationship with each other. But the ultimate was that they could be with their creator. And we read in the Bible that all was well. That is, until Satan shows up and he tempts Eve to eat of the fruit that God commanded her and Adam not to eat of. And as a result of that, 
Uh, they gave in to that to the world. And we read in the Bible that not only did sin come into the world, but at that point in time is when death came in as well. Uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because of all sin. You see, Adam wasn't just a man. He was the man. He was the, the, the representative of all mankind. He, he was the, what's known as the federal head. And so when he fell into sin with his wife Eve, then all of humanity from that point in time onward uh, were born sinners. Now that doesn't mean that we're as bad as we could be. No, that's, but what it does mean is, is that when we're born, we're born with this nature, with this inclination that we want to do what we want to do rather than what God wants us to do. And so from that point on, humanity began to have funerals because man, God promised that if man sinned against him, that he would surely die. And so if you think about it, we were not created to die. We were not created to have this kind of service. But because of our rebellion and our sin against God, that's why we have funerals. And if you look at the world and the mess that it's in, you know, um, it's that way because of our sin. But God, who is a good and a holy and a righteous God, who invited Adam and Eve to have a relationship with him, um, you know, obviously, uh, Adam and Eve's sin and rebellion caused a break in their relationship with God because they no longer loved God, but rather they wanted to be God. And let's just be honest, folks. Isn't that our same struggle today? We want to be the masters of our own destiny. We think we know how to do it right. And so from that point on, humanity lived in rebellion against God. But what's really amazing is the fact that God did not leave us there. He did not leave us in that position. If I were God, I would have just wiped us all out and said, I'm going to start all over, you know, but God didn't do that. Instead, he chose to provide a way for people once again to have that loving relationship with him. And I want to encourage you today, especially if you're here today and you're a Christian, don't take that for granted. One of the things that, that I uh, was um, reminded by Jeremiah Burroughs as I was studying for this talk was that humanity were not the only ones that rebelled against God. Do you remember? The angels also rebelled against God. And many were cast out of heaven because of their rebellion against God. But what's interesting about the angels is God didn't choose to save them. He destined them to eternal damnation. In other words, God gave the angels what their sins deserved. But for some reason, he chose to do otherwise for humanity. And the way that God chose to, to deal with this was by sending his son, who was God, but who became a man as well, so that he might pay the penalty for our sin and our rebellion against God. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. He became sin for us and endured the wrath and the judgment of God that should have been ours 
And then God sent messengers out into the world to tell people what he had done for them. And he called people to believe and to trust in him and to once again have that relationship with him, to have their sins removed, but not just to have their sins removed, but once again to have that loving, intimate relationship with God, enjoying him and worshiping and delighting in him. And I just want you to know here this morning that Mama was one who professed faith in Christ and believed that good news of what God had done for her. And so as we gather here today, I want you to know that Mama's faith in God, who not only formed her in her mother's womb, but also who saved her from the power of sin and death, and now brings her great comfort and peace as she is with her Savior face to face. And as we read earlier, the Bible reminds us in times of death, it says, but we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep. In other words, from those who had died. This is written by the Apostle Paul. He was one of those messengers that had gone and shared the good news of what God had done with these people in Thessalonica. They believed in him. They believed in God, trust him and him for their salvation. And, but then they had questions. They're like, but what about those people who, who, who die? You know, what happens to them? And so Paul wrote them a letter, and this is just a portion of that letter. He said, but we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep or those who are died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring him with those who have fallen asleep. I want you to see, first of all, in this, that what Paul is, is reminding us is that grief is normal in the face of death. He didn't say, don't grieve. He said, when you do grieve, don't grieve as people who have no hope. So he expects that grief is a normal part of even the Christian life. And I say that. Because sometimes I think even in the church, we sort of mistakenly give the impression that if you grieve uh, much for your loved ones uh, when they die, then you have a weak faith. Um, sometimes they imply that, well, your loved one's in heaven, so you should rejoice with them, which that's true. But the Bible expects us to grieve because death is not natural. We say oftentimes death is just a part of life. But that's not really true. That's not really true. Death came because sin, and we were created, we were not created to die, but to live forever. And even Christ, when he attended the funeral of his friend Lazarus, um, the Bible tells us, and as a matter of fact, kids, this is the shortest verse in the Bible. So if you're ever doing Bible drills and your teacher says, give me a verse, quick, say John 11:35, Jesus wept, okay? There's a simple Bible verse for you. But Christ wept at, at the, the funeral of his friend. But then it goes on, John tells us, it says that he was deeply moved. Now we might think of that to mean that he was merely emotional over his friend's death. But actually, in the original Greek, that phrase means to be moved to outrage. Jesus was moved to outrage. Not at, his, not at uh, his friend for dying, but he was outraged by death 
Because death is the great enemy that Jesus came to destroy when he died upon the cross. So it's a, a proper response to mourn in the face of death. And I just say that because there's going to be times in the days and weeks ahead where, you know, you're going to have a thought about mama and maybe something she said or something she did or you're going to see something in the, the window of a shop that's going to remind you of her or you're going to bake something and that smell is going to remind you of her and what she did. And, and while that memory may be sweet, you may feel the deep pain of loss. And that's okay, because death is not natural. And the loss that we experience is very real. So it's fine for you to grieve for your sister in Christ, or for your grandmother, or for your great-grandmother, or your mother, or your friend. Death brings a loss that we should mourn. But the second thing that I want us to see is that we, when we do grieve, we should grieve as people who have hope. You see, through Christ's death on the cross, we who are in Christ can face death very differently from others. And in the text, verses 13, 14, and 15 of uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, it talks about them which are asleep. But it's interesting that in verse 14, when it talks about Jesus, it talks about him who died. And it uses a very different word. Why didn't it say Jesus who fell asleep? Well, it's because Jesus submitted to the power of death. When he died, he died. And death took hold of him. And death was going to hold him. And for three days, he endured being under the power of death. He experienced the full terror of death for us. But then God raised Jesus from the dead, and as much as death wanted to hold on to Jesus, he could not because God's power of life was so much greater, which means that for those who place their faith in Jesus Christ, that death has lost its sting. It can no longer hold us in the grave. Today, Mama's body is in a grave in Greenville, South Carolina, even though her soul is in heaven. But one day, her body will be raised up. It will wake up from sleep and be reunited with her soul in heaven. It will be a new body that God will give to her. And so our hope, our response is to be, is to be one of hope because we know full well that death is only sleep for the believer. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Finally, we see in verse 17 and 18, uh, Paul, as he's writing to the Thessalonians, says, And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That not only will we be raised, but we will be with the Lord. And that's the ultimate goal of his return. He will come to bring all believers to be with him permanently. 
Those who do not put their trust in Jesus in this life will be like the fallen angels who will get what your sin deserves. If you reject God's gift of eternal life and a, a him taking your, your, your wrath, your judgment upon him, if you reject that, then you will stand before Christ one day getting what you deserve, God's judgment for your sin rather than his displeasure. And so my question for all of us today is this. Is your comfort in Christ alone today? Is that where your hope is? As you consider the story of your life, is it wrapped up in God's story of redemption? Do you know God as your Savior and your friend, delighting in Him today, longing to be with Him someday in heaven? Or is the story of your life just sort of a casual acquaintance with God? Oh, maybe you believe that God exists. You know, maybe you've been raised in a Christian home and your parents have talked about God and you believe, but you don't know Him. You don't fellowship with Him every day. You don't delight in Him and enjoy Him and worship Him and consider it a privilege to pray to Him and for Him to speak to you through His Word. Or maybe yours is a life of indifference to God and what he's done. You just think, oh, yeah, I don't have time for religion. I have too many other things to do. You know, my life is just too busy. Or maybe you think religion's just for those who need a crutch. Or maybe you're here today and yours is one of hostility to God. Maybe you've even been hurt in the church and been wounded by those who would call themselves Christians. And so you want nothing to do with God. But let me tell you today, it's good that you're here today. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7, 2, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. In other words, it's better to go to a funeral than it is to go to a party. Because if you go to a party, you go to a party to have fun and to forget and enjoy yourself and just sort of forget about all your responsibilities. You just want to have a good time. But when you come to a funeral, you're faced with the fact that all of us will die one day. Every single person. There's not one person that's here today that will not die unless it is that Christ comes back. And as Ecclesiastes goes on to say, it's better to go to that house of mourning than the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. In other words, those who are wise will consider eternity. Where are you going to spend eternity? Will you be with God? Now you love Him, you delight in Him, you enjoy being with Him, even though it's from a distance, you enjoy that, but you're looking forward to that day when you can be with him face to face. Um, the best illustration I can think to describe this was um, when I met my wife. I loved her. She was awesome. I married way above myself. Uh, but we met in college, and that summer after we met, then I went back to Indiana, and she stayed in North Carolina. And so we would write letters to each other. 
kids, believe this, through the mail. We didn't have email, okay? None of this texting stuff or any of that kind of stuff. You had to write a letter, put a stamp, put it in the mail, and then wait like days before you get a response. Okay, that's what we did. And we did that all summer. And it was it was a delight. I would I would go to the mailbox every day just looking to see if I'd had a letter from her. And if I did, I just read it for hours and hours and hours. And it just it was so awesome when I when I got one of those letters from her. But it was nothing like the time when when summer was over and I got the privilege to go back to school and to see her face to face. To hold her in my arms and to talk with her and to laugh with her. Someday, if you're a believer, that's the joy that you have. Now we get to worship the Lord. We get to come together on Sunday morning and worship in Him. But one day, we will get to see Him face to face. This, this Sunday, rather than Mama watching us on the live stream, she's in the ultimate live stream. She's in heaven with her Savior, worshiping Him face to face. And so I just want you to know this morning that God is reaching out to you. Not because you deserve His love, but because he has set his love upon you regardless. And none of us can boast because, we're, because we are his, but we can only give thanks that he has set our love upon us. So let us use this time of mourning rather than feasting to challenge our hearts today. Where are you in relation with the Lord? If you are his child and you, and, and you say you love him, does your life demonstrate that? Is he your first priority? Is he your first love? Is he your, really your only love? And you just can't wait to be with him and have a Does your life demonstrate that? If you don't know him, would you trust him today? That you might know him. What does... Uh, so let us take comfort in God's story of redemption. As Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we thank you so much for the hope that you have given us in, in Jesus Christ. Oh God, we pray that you would help us to, to walk with you, to, to know you, and to, uh, to delight in you as Adam and Eve did in, in the garden, knowing that one day that we'll have that fellowship again face to face in heaven. But Lord, I also pray for those who are here today that maybe haven't considered eternity. Maybe they're not living their life in light of eternity and pray. Lord, that they might turn their hearts to you, to know you. And we thank you, Lord, and pray this in Christ's name. Amen.